Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Welcome to Development Hell. For every horror movie that hits VOD, countless others end up DOA. Development Hell is the podcast dedicated to unearthing these cursed horror productions. We're going to find out what went wrong and then decide if these titles still stand a shot at the green light. I am your host, Josh Corngut. I am a filmmaker in Toronto, Canada. This podcast is a proud member of the Dread Podcast Network. Available now from Dread, Val. Finn, a wanted criminal, hides out with an escort named Val, a demon. Val offers to make his problems disappear if he follows her rules. She has been expecting him all along, and it won't be easy to escape Val's dungeon. Val is out now everywhere you buy or rent movies, and on Blu-ray November 2nd. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Development Hell. We're back. Halloween is canceled, is over, and Development Hell, the regular series, is back. I know you missed us. I'm excited to be here. I'm never going to talk about Michael Myers again, at least for another <laughs> 11 months. Um, we have a very special guest judge with us today. You may remember her. Her name is Mary Beth McAndrews. She was on one previous episode about Behind the Mask. Hi, Mary Beth. How's it going? Hello, I'm great. How are you? Well, I'm doing pretty good. In case people don't remember, which I'm sure they do, can you reintroduce yourself to the Development Hell audience? Well, yes, I can. Um, I am content manager for Dread Central, where I work with the incredible Josh Quangut. Um, I also host the podcast Scarred for Life and Watch Once Never Again. And I write for many places on the internet about movies and mostly horror movies. Yeah, she's into the spooky stuff. Um, so today we're talking about a very special topic. We are heading into Hellraiser Bloodline territory. Now you might say, hold on, that movie got made. Like I've seen that movie. And you're right. This is a real movie. It was released. 
but we're getting into like a different kind of development hell today. This is a film that, yes, was completed, but had like such a horrifying journey to the end result that it deserves an episode of this podcast. Now, recently, in the last month or so, the screenwriter Peter Atkins um, officially published Hellraiser Bloodline, the original screenplay. And that's kind of why we're covering it today, as a bit of a respect homage to Peter Atkins. Mary Beth, what is your relationship with Hellraiser, generally speaking? So I've, I'd only seen the first one, but I'm, I fucking love the first one. I saw it for the first time. I think I was in high school. I was having a slumber party with one of my friends and we were weirdos and loved to find weird movies to watch. And so I chose Hellraiser because I'd heard such great things about it. And uh, wow, we as Uh-oh. a teenager really didn't. Um, were you with a normal? No, we were both okay. weirdos. Okay, that's um, good. <laughs> Phew. No, this is one of my friends who we were we we watched weird movies together. Like I think we watched Peeping Tom and I Spit on Your Grave at a summer party. So yeah. that's a weird high school picks. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. very weird. So yeah, I watched Hellraiser and I have loved it ever since. I love Clive Barker. Yeah, Clive Barker is the man. He's the gay daddy of horror, and we cannot forget about horror. that. Um, so. You've seen the first film. Which of the Hellraiser? Which of the Hellraiser films have you seen? Just this one, uh, the first one, and Bloodline. Now, oh wow, interesting, interesting combo. You still have to probably see two. Three is debatable. People may I've have heard opinions good about that about at home. Two. I have. Two. Been, I've heard decent things about two. Yeah, yeah. Two is insane. Two really like is off the walls fantasy horror, so, which is cool. So wait, okay. So I know that this one was. When, and I'm jumping ahead. This is the fourth one, the blood bloodline, and it was like the last one to be released theatrically. But how yeah. many other ones have happened since? I was I lost count when I was trying. I got confused. Oh about my how god, many there were. I just want to say thank you of- because I want to try listing them. Is that okay with you? Or are you going to be willing? Please, to- I, hold on. Let me pull up. Let me pull up a list. Oh my god, I'm so excited. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, do I get extra points if I get the year right? No, because I can't do the earlier years, so I'm not gonna do years. Okay, I was gonna say I'm always very impressed when you can do the years. Okay, I have the list pulled up. I'm ready to hear. Okay, Okay. all right. Everybody, just like think good things for me. Okay, support me. Obviously, Hellraiser, Hellraiser 2, Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. Okay, but what was what was the what was before the the colon and Hellraiser? I'm so sorry. Hellraiser Number one, just a Hellraiser. Hellraiser number two, Hellbound. How dare how dare I forget to say that? Yeah. And then Hellraiser <laughs> three. No, it's true. Hellraiser <laughs> three, Hell on Earth, which is, if you know me, one of my favorite things to say. Like, if I don't like something, it's Hell on Earth. <laughs> um, it's true. I can, can, can corroborate that claim. Yeah, yes. I think it maybe also comes from the Hellraiser franchise now that I'm thinking about it. All right. Number four, obviously, Hellraiser Bloodline. I always call it Bloodlines. Incorrect. Just Bloodline. And then we're getting into the direct-to-video world, and it gets spottier, but this is kind of my favorite type of Hellraiser. We got Hellraiser. Oh, no. I can do this. Wait. I always forget number five. Uh, oh, fuck. <laughs> no. Do you I want know... a hint? No. Um, okay. All right. Give me a hint. Uh, Dante's. Okay, obviously. Hell, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Hellraiser Inferno. I, I don't know why I always forget about that one, but I did. So I've already failed. But I'm going to keep going. 
I'll do Inferno. Okay. And then after Inferno, wow, I I came in with so much um you had so much confidence. And now I'm like really struggling. <laughs> did it go from did it go from Inferno to Deader? That is my question. No, but there is a debtor. I know. Okay. Oh no. Okay, so Inferno. Fuck. What what follows in what follows? In, oh wait, I can do this. No, it's not. It's the uh, help me. What's the next one? Hellseeker. Hellseeker. Okay, I do think Deader happened right afterwards. I don't know. It for did. Fact. It did. It wow. Did. I'm really upset with myself. I was really excited about this, and I feel like I I botched the Olympics. Okay, and then Deader, and then after Deader, I'm gonna guess and say Hell World. Correct. Okay, and then after Hell World, Revelations already. Yes. And then after Revelations, you have Judgment. So I did okay. Yes. I, 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 what you did is, okay. You did it okay. It could have been better. I actually am very upset about how badly I did. Oh. But, um, so thank you for that. Now I'm traumatized. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I I myself have seen, okay, let's say, uh, the first two. I've seen four many, many times. And then um, I have seen Hellworld. And I talk about Hellworld a lot because I love it it's so stupid it's like a cyber goth like internet themed <gasps> yes and it's oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Lance I really rec- Henriksen's in it yes yes uh Henry Cavill obviously in it oh is this the one where he gets blowjob yes yes I talk okay. about this movie a lot I talk about this movie a lot okay people need to know that about it um yeah it's very funny and people are always like what you like it I actually when I interviewed the Boulets recently I was like have you seen Hellraiser Hellworld and they were just like no I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're like, they're like, you abso- absolutely not. Why are we not. talking? Like, I, we only have ten minutes. What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> we have ten minutes, and I'm going to take up all ten minutes talking about how well. haven't world. seen it, but I'm going to describe it to you. <laughs> Evil goes online. It really did. Um, <laughs> I like the weird direct video sequels. Partially because the f- first four, as good and crazy and, and outrageous as they are, they're a lot for me. I'm a, I have a hard time with gore sometimes, and these yeah. movies really go for it. Like it, it's truly disgusting, sadomasochistic. Yes, and would, four is definitely pretty fucking brutal. It's wild. I it's was brutal. Like, I was thinking, okay, we're gonna cover Hellraiser Bloodline. I'm so excited. I haven't seen it in a while. But it's the crazy fourth one that had all that production trouble and everybody hates it and he's in space. So like it's gotta <laughs> be just silly and fun. So I'll be fine. And I tried watching it late in one evening and I got 15 minutes in and I was like, I am not prepared. And I had to start over the next day because it's <laughs> it's really scary. I, I had a hard time. I'm a I big definitely baby. did not expect it to be as gory. Because like, I don't know, fourth in a franchise, I don't mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. it was that expectation, especially with like Hellraiser. It's like, oh, it's not going to be as gnarly. No, this one was pretty fucking gnarly. And very gnarly. And like, um, there's a lot of fun camp elements too, but those are not, those are not active when it's gross. Like the no. fun camp elements are like, it goes to space. There's all, it's written poorly or whatever, but when it's gross, it like, it's real it's, and it's mean. Yeah. And for some a reason, a lot, oh, the hooks, wow. hooks for days. Hooks for days. And for some reason, like scary sadomasochistic, like 17th century France is always a mood that rot- rattles me. Really? Yes. Have you ever seen Quills? No, I have not. Okay, don't. It's so scary and gross. For some reason, like. There's you know always, I like, love scary. I'm a gross girl, though. I love yes, gross shit. I-, I was thinking like. 
auspicious that we got you on this episode <laughs> as I was watching it. And I was like, this is a Mary Beth energy. And I am glad that we brought you here for it. Um, so how would you feel if I gave you just a quick uh, little seminar about uh, Hellraiser Bloodline? Please do. I would love that. Okay. Hellraiser Bloodline, released in 1996, was the fourth film in the Hellraiser canon. And as we mentioned, it was the last to get released theatrically. It was directed... This is where it gets complicated. Uh, it was Immediately. Directed, literally immediate, immediately yeah. gets complicated. Right. Well, no, 1996 was easy. Fourth in the franchise was easy. <laughs> then I went downhill. <laughs> Technically, this is an Alan Smithy production, and we're going to get into what that means a little bit more in a second. The gist of it is that if a director really doesn't uh, has has like due reason to get their name removed from a project due to like interference, meddling, whatever, it, it then resorts to being called an Alan Smithy production. So the directors behind this film had their names completely scrubbed from it so that they wouldn't be associated with it. And I thought, do I respect them and not list them for this podcast? And I was thought, no. We're gonna we're gonna, <laughs> gonna ream them out. So it was directed by a Sir Kevin Yeager. And when he refused to come back for reshoots, Mr. Joe Chappelle, the director behind Halloween 6, stepped in to, <laughs> to do some of those shots. Um, so yeah, two directors, neither one of them were happy with it. It stars Doug Bradley as Pinhead and was written by Peter Atkins, who is the screenwriter behind Hellraiser 2, 3, and this one. Um, it features performances by Canadian Bruce Ramsey as the toy maker, so hot. Valentina Vargas, am I, I hope I'm saying that right, um, as Angelique, also so hot, mm. Kim Myers as Meryl Streep, and, Meryl Streep. <laughs> yeah, and Adam Scott in his first major film role. Adam um, Scott. Did you have any idea about Adam Scott being in this when I first asked you to do this episode? I did. I Aww. did know he was in it, but He's I not. wasn't prepared for him in it, if that yeah. makes any sense. Like, How I could knew? you be? But yeah. I was not ready for both the 17th century French wig and the horribly horse straight hair in the 1990s. It's wild. Although I will say Mr. Adam Scott kind of gave it his all. Like, he really did. I did appreciate him giving it his all in this movie. And all I've been watching outside of this lately has been Parks and Rec season four <laughs> and five. Truly, truly. I've watched like six episodes today, yesterday. Like it's all I've been watching. So it's mm -hmm. a really weird time to revisit this movie i will also just give him a quick shout out he was in piranha 3d as like the hot scientist and that cracked me the fuck up he so was. i love it Scott has like weird little roles in horror movies That's like so funny it's incredible um, you know who's in front of three double d mr paul Shear, the king of podcasts i think about that all the time um, <laughs> so yeah double this was d. god damn it I, sorry oh yeah off, oh yeah me and track. me and another um uh, Dread Central uh, individual Emily Gagne uh, snuck into Prana 3D Double D um, illegally, so put us in jail. Uh, yeah. So, so this was the last Hellraiser in, in theaters. I'm going to have to cut that because I've said it five times. And it was the last to have any kind of official involvement from series creator Clive Barker. Mm. Um, and it was also the final installment in like the initial canon. Okay. So before I get into official synopsis territory, I thought I'd be mean and ask you to see if you can give us a logline based on what you've seen. Um, 
I'm so excited. I, I read the I read the outline and I've been thinking about this for like two uh, hours. <laughs> and it's still gonna be impossible. It's in the <laughs> yeah. Um The history of the Cenobites featuring a flesh nun in a hot woman's body, space, mm -hmm. and Ooh. a lot of time jumps. I mean, I don't know how deep you got into 17th century France, but it's okay. I'd give that a C. Yeah, um, cool. Thank you. Yeah. So the official synopsis for How Is Our Bloodline, in 18th century, a celebrated toy maker is hired to create his greatest work, the Lament Configuration, not knowing that it was going to be the uh, gateway for demonic Cenobites, including Pinhead and Angelique, to enter our world. Hundreds of years in the future, the toy maker's descendant, an engineer and architect, has designed a space station that he believes can trap and destroy Cenobites by exploding them. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, would, you, would, you, would you say that summary of How Razor Bloodlines does sum it up? It does. Yeah, I would say it does too. I just, I, I'm reading it. And the fact, especially that he designed an entire space station that is giant, basically a giant lament configuration. It's yes. so funny reading it written down. It's crazy. It's and you crazy. see in the whole movie, you see like in, in modern day, aka 1996, and even in 17th century France, you see the blueprints for, it's not the lament configuration. It has some different name. It's like the good version like the opposite the, version, like the cure yeah. for the for the original toy box yes. that he had to create. And then, yeah, it turns out to be a giant satellite space station. Oh, Elysium configuration is what it's Elysium called. Elysium configuration. That sounds stupid. Um, <laughs> so we're ready to, like, maybe jump into some of our thoughts about this film. How do we feel about that? Okay, there are three distinct stories. Would we say mm -hmm. three sounds right? We've yes. got 17th century France. We've got uh, 1996, a.k.a. modern day. And then we've got, I don't know, 100 years into the future from now. So like 2,100 um, futuristic times. Mm -hmm. um, I was wondering if we could like try to compartmentalize these three eras and just sort of like give people a sense of what happened. So in yeah. the 17th century France, what was going on in your opinion? What, what was happening? So there is a toy maker, mm -hmm. um, Le Marchand, Le Mer Merchant, Le Marchand. Wow. Um, he makes uh, this puzzle box and it's incredible because his his pregnant wife comes in and is like, you finished it. And she goes, it does nothing. <laughs> that mm, was an rude. incredible opening. I was like, wow. All right, great. Um, but then this is being brought to, um, what is this guy's name? Delil? Uh, the evil guy? Yeah. So uh, yeah, a libertine aristocrat, according to Wikipedia. Um, uh, and he's got a big powdered wig and a big house. And that mm -hmm. this is where Adam Scott, who plays Jacques, is his uh, minion. Yeah. They've lured um, a woman, I think a sex worker, to the house. And they are going to sacrifice her, or a peasant, uh, sacrifice her for this this box, this lament configuration. Mm -hmm. Does he know it's called the lament configuration when he gives it to them? I don't have what that answer. <laughs> yeah. Word, like who names like I don't know. Anyway. This is one that's always kind of confused me, but I do think it obviously goes back to the first film, and I wish I had more answers. Don't get mad at us. We're trying our best. We're trying our best. Yeah. But um basically he discovers the Le Merchant <laughs> discovers that the, the puzzle box is being used for evil. And he just and he realizes that he is his bloodline is oh. cursed because he is the one that opened the gates of hell. 
And now this peasant girl has become a um, a vessel for Angelique, a demon from hell. Mm. She is a demon from hell. It was one of the they, scariest. They did, they did cut off all of her skin and do a lot of really fucked up shit to this girl to yeah. summon Angelique. I have I to get it. I have to get into this. I have to get into okay. this. So horrifying. I would say the scariest, grossest part of this film is that first 20 minutes in 17th century France where they, yeah, they sacrifice. It was her name, not Angelique as a peasant. I thought that. Was but it I guess, Angelique? I definitely could be wrong. She becomes, whatever happens. Maybe she, it was Angelique. I was, can't remember. Was, I don't know if she was originally, but she definitely becomes Angelique. And yeah, so the scary, scary, like, libertine, is that how they described him? With, like, scary herpes scars and, like, a scary wig and just, like, really, he really <laughs> freaks me out. Um, yeah, decided... A really big, creepy smile. Like, he's just, so like, the scary. kind of guy who's, like, always kind of giggling and laughing because he's gross. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's ready. like, on drugs. I'm, like... <laughs> Drunk and ready to just ruin a woman's life. Yeah, absolutely. So gross. Yeah, he still scares me. I'm scaring just thinking about him. But, yeah, so they get this... <laughs> Um, woman and they murder her and then they remove her skin with all of these scary hooks and chains don't know how that happened one of my things that i don't like in film is like skin flaying stuff can't watch it so this was hard for me yeah and then her skin her flayed skin if i recall i actually had to turn all the volume off because i was really scared watching this scene becomes the portal to hell they, like, do a spell on, like, and I think the skin, like, starts to, like, break away and underneath is, like, a white portal. So I think, like, it becomes a bit of a conduit, be- like, f- between this world and the next, which is so heady and kind of interesting. There were moments yeah. in this where I was like, this is stupid but ingenious. And that was one of well, the that's, moments. And that's the thing with Hellraiser, too. Like, that literal flesh is the conduit for all of this Ooh. stuff. Like, yeah, you can have the lament configuration, but that only gives you so much. Like, mm-hmm. you have to have a special f- piece of flesh to get the Cenobites to come oh, to your aid. Absolutely. Or- the, f- the flesh is such a theme because it's all about the, like, the fine line between pleasure and pain. And I have to say, I am a vanilla person, like, mm-hmm. to a fault. I don't know why. I, I Maybe I was actually turned off when I was young, because I, I had a partner who was more into weird stuff than me, and it kind of, like, freaked me out. Mm. But this is, like, a kind of, I don't know. This These are themes that, like, I find scary, sadomasochistic stuff. Ooh, um, is this a world that you're familiar with, that you're comfortable with? How do you feel about, like, the world um, of SNM and shit like that? How does that affect I'm you? I'm not, like, I, I'm not super vanilla, but I'm also not as well-versed in the world of SNM, of, like, BDSM and SNM. Yeah, me neither. Um, but I'm, I really am fascinated by the culture around it, and especially in this, like, especially with Hellraiser. Hellraiser actually got me interested in it, which... Cool. I feel like probably a lot of people our age slash a little bit earlier, probably maybe who were not well versed in the world of SM, maybe got mm-hmm. their first little taste. Um, oh, yeah. I think it's really, I think there's like a little bit of fear that comes with it, but that's why it's hot for me. Like it's mm-hmm. kind of scary and a little sexy, but also and this, well, in this movie, it's like obviously like a whole other level. But oh, I yeah. think bdsm is really cool and i'm really fascinated by it it's definitely interesting and i find it's cool that bdsm um got brought into 
the horror zeitgeist by a queer person because obviously like um kink and bdsm like it's such a big part of the queer culture that's already sort of on the fringe to begin with so i guess they don't have that much to lose by participating in cool kink stuff as well so it's i've always thought it was interesting that clive barker is like our one queer i don't know harbinger of horror and he also happened to bring in this stuff with him yeah, I also, but it's also interesting. It's something I've talked actually a lot about with Dax on um, Wona, a uh, watch mm-hmm. once never again. Is that in a lot of like disturbing movies, BDSM and kink is used to be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a little bit more complicated in Hellraiser. Even like on the surface, it might seem like oh, it's like their sex, their pleasure, sex demons who love pain. I think it's a little bit more nuanced with Hellraiser, especially the first one. But in horror, kink is, like, a lot of the time, like, used to say, oh, this person's a bad person. Like, they liked kink. And it's fascinating how Clive Barker, I think, brought in kink and that part of, like, the queer community, not in a bad way, but I feel like it got kind of gripped as something to kind of denote monstrosity in Mm -hmm. a way that was really – that is pretty harmful. Um, Definitely. Again, Hellraiser isn't necessarily that, but I think there, it is really interesting to see how kink is utilized within the horror genre. I feel like a, probably the horror audience in general was unfamiliar with BDSM culture, generally speaking, when they first saw Hellraiser. Probably, so yeah. I, I, I bet you, yeah, it's probably had some kind of strange <laughs> effect on the yeah. normies, myself included. Um, okay, so we have, <laughs> yeah, so that's what happens in 17th century uh, Hell gets brought on by this weird, scary, skinned person. And then we have Angelique, who comes back from Hell, who is this woman that they flayed, is now back, and she kills the scary libertine, and it starts up this, like, 300-year relationship with Adam Scott, who I guess must have gotten some kind of immortality powers in this process. Yes, was not clear about yeah. that. But... It was very strange. And, and and the toy maker also dies, yet is reincarnated multiple times in this film. So that bloodline, yeah, they really want to end the bloodline of the toy maker because the toy maker is the only person that I guess can figure out how to kill the Cenobites, which he does, spoiler alert, by the end. But they aren't able to kill him, even though they kill him. It's, uh, it doesn't make any sense. Well, because she's pregnant with his baby and it's yes. his son. And they're like, ooh. Yeah, didn't get her. Oh, of course. So yeah, so okay, so they killed him, but the, yeah, the baby. Okay, and the that's when we flash forward to 1996, and they're like, "Oh shit, we didn't actually get the bloodline." Like that's when they realize he's still like the merchant. Now it's merchant are like still alive, right? Because they see him on TV because he's like this weird architect that makes weird <laughs> buildings for some reason. Has made a fucking skyscraper that looks like the puzzle box. Seems like a mistake. Um, so. <laughs> All of a sudden, we're in 1996 with Angelique and Jacques. We don't know how Jacques is alive, I guess, magic. And then... His hair is now straight. Like, been straight. And long. I mean, it's not not hot. It's just not a hot character. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just a... Um, just the entire vibe of Jacques is weird, so... Very weird. You can tell that they kind of have this, like, um, sub-dom relationship... Where, like, she has to ask him to do whatever in her life. And he gets to say yes or no. And then she asks to be able to go to America or something. And he's like, uh, no, I'm a dick. And then she just kills him? And I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> what? what? And he seems confused and surprised also. 
It's gross too. It's, it's the- pretty intense because she grows a claw and it's just like scratching his face. And he yeah. gets really, it's really intense when, like, the thing these movies do really well, I feel like, is really depicting the pain that a lot of their characters are going oh, through. Like, yeah. when it goes, it hurts. Like, that's yeah. a lot. I hate because, that. Like, this movie, like you've said, it's not great, but there are parts of it where you're like, ooh, God. Like, when he says that and he's crying, that that kind of hit me. Like, oh, God. Yes. Oh, Jesus. Yes. It hurts is something that always resonates with me in horror movies because it's so simple, yeah. but it's so realistic. Yes. It, yeah. It happens in that opening kill in Jaws, which is getting yes! pulled around. She goes, ouch, ouch, it hurts. And I'm yep. it like breaks my heart. Ugh. And I think it happens in one of the Rob Zombie uh, Halloween movies. Where he's, I think, oh. maybe killing Danielle Harris, even. I could be wrong. Oh, shit. I think you're right. And she just goes, ouch, ouch. And it's like, oof. It yes. just brings it onto a sort of relatable level that is uncomfortable. Yes. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And so, and so that's what modern day is going on. So Angelique in the modern day, she, like, sees the toy maker's reincarnation. And is like, gotta get you and kill you, I guess. But then the, she doesn't manage. And then the third era in this film that is sort of... Well, like, you're forgetting, where, though. This is where she meets Pinhead in 1996. It's right. Okay, so how does Pinhead get introduced into the story, finally, halfway through this film? So somehow she fucking finds the lament configuration in a concrete wall. <laughs> okay, so and weird. punches yeah. it out of a wall. <laughs> because he built... Because the toy maker built the building, and, like, how did that get put in the wall? I... There are so many things about this movie where I'm like... I. I just feel like there's some an answer that could have been easily given to me here, but I have no uh, yeah. idea. But I will say after reading the original screen, screenplay, it does make a lot more sense. This I, movie I, is I figured, polar, yeah. Um, but yeah, so she punches into the foundation of the building and finds the lament configuration, uh, tricks a security guard into solving it, and he gets absolutely wrecked. Wait, I really want to pause about the security. Or it wasn't even a security guard. It was like some, no, it was a guy at a party. Some was it guy. A party? She, yeah, she's like some like sweaty guy. She's Who she's like, like seduces in the bathroom. Like, let's go have sex in the bathroom. Yeah, and then they go to have sex in like the parking garage or something. He gets totally naked, which is like very strange. For someone that, never mind. But yeah, it's very, like, it's, it's just not, like, not It's like a public place. Like, it's like very weird. And she's like no massaging one is fully naked. Yes. No, it's like, no, no, it, it doesn't make sense. And then he opens the box, and then Pinhead shows up. Yeah, he gets ho- he gets hooked. Literally, gets just his skin ripped off again. Oh, the skin basically. gets ripped off. I didn't. I think I wasn't. Looking. No, it's totally scared. ripped off. But I, all I know is that hooks pop out and like grab his face. Ooh, there's a lot of hooks in the face of, in this there's movie. There's a lot of hooks in the face in this one. And then and Pinhead we didn't shows up. The, when Adam Scott dies, she like puts her her like claw in his face like makes a hole in his face and like scoops around a bunch it's really a lot it's it's a lot um but i celebrate that and we celebrate Mm -hmm. yeah okay and then so pinhead's back and she's like hey girl like what why is she bringing him back i i don't recall so i don't think so okay the way that i interpreted it is that like she wanted to open back up the portal for more shit to come through. But then when he comes through, she realizes that because she's been gone for so long, they apparently the ideologies of hell have shifted and Pinhead oh. represents new hell. And she oh, represents old hell. Very progressive. Very <laughs> um, the New Testament. Okay. And does he like, this is something I wasn't clear, clear on the whole time. Like he wants to bring her back. 
what is this dynamic between Pinhead and Angelique? So the it seems like they both want to kill the toy maker, but Pinhead is all about just like all out suffering while she's about torture and corruption. Oh. And I think they both seem think that they're in charge. I don't know what they think they're in charge of. <laughs> but mm. I feel like they both think they're in charge. Mm, and not, they not kind gonna, of yeah. They conflict about how to deal with it. Uh I mean it's kind of cute. It's kind of cute to see someone like on his level and like being uh, yeah. able to see Pinhead have a conversations in a movie it's very strange so that was that was really cool i i liked hearing more of like doug bradley as pinhead (laughs) like i don't know there's a scene very close to this point where angelique and pinhead go upstairs and they're like looking at this big element configuration themed building and he like He's like really confused looking. It's actually quite funny. And he's like, what is what he's is like, going where on? The fuck am I? It's like, this is too much energy for me. Like, I don't, I don't appreciate all this. And then he says something. Love- uh-huh. Oh, sorry. No, no. He just like appears in the guy's apartment. Mm-hmm. And, and I just like rocking around as like a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're just like hanging out with kids, just chilling with little kids. That was weird. It's also weird that he like, I mean, obviously it's a movie, so you can't fuck up a kid too bad but like he's being very gentle with this child which i just doesn't seem realistic to me like i no, just and don't I've seen plenty him... of movies where they do bad things to kids which just sounds terrible but like no, no it's true it's horror i just you know you can i mean he's threatening to do some pretty scary like worse than killing it's like this kid's gonna yeah. be suffer 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 forever so that's bad and then meryl streep is not into meryl that Streep is not having it no um who's meryl streep okay so people that are may not be in on the joke they may not know what we're talking about here so kim myers is an an actress that stars in this film as uh the wife or the girlfriend i believe it's wife wife i think yeah of the toy maker in modern times and they have a child together kim myers you may know the name she was the female lead in nightmare on the street part two um and she looks like identical to Meryl Streep. It's very, very same weird. nose, same cheekbones. It's very bizarre. Yeah, not the same uh, emotional impulses though. No, no I will agree no. with that. But no, also, no. I just need to talk about their apartment really fast. In yeah, this movie yeah, tell me. Because they have this massive apartment with multiple floors. It looks mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. but they still have to do their laundry in a shitty basement. <gasps> and Why? Th- that got me so hard because there's an entire sequence where she has to leave the kid in the apartment to go do the their laundry and she has to walk down like every you know the experience you have when you live in a stupid like a gross apartment yep. building a gross squeaky hallway to a dark dank laundry room but then when you go back into their apartment it's got multiple floors it's humongous and that just made me laugh that they didn't even have it's, it's such a stupid detail but just i was like install she really has machine. to go down yeah. to the shitty basement and do her you laundry know, it's <laughs> happened to me where i've looked for apartments and they've been nice but there's no apart there's no laundry in it and i'm like can i just put in my own and they were like absolutely not so maybe that was the situation maybe That's we don't know what's going on with management okay <laughs> tiny the tiny details that i'm like this is bizarre i'm <laughs> literally like, everything it's, else going on in this movie <laughs> it's bigger than a house though this apartment it in this is movie. Bigger than a- ginormous so many stairs um were you scared or was it just silly where she's like looking for the kid and, and she and he's like mama like he won't let me go i just felt like 
it was so silly, but you know it was in some trailer. Yeah, exactly. Like it was definitely silly, but the, it was meant to be like, oh my god, the kid's in danger. But I was like, <laughs> is there anything really important that we're forgetting from modern era before we move into space? Uh, modern era, uh, Toy Maker gets decapitated. At oh the end yeah, of that was shocking. Actually, it was shocking. I but was the, like, oh, again, dear. the little boy survives, so we still have that male bloodline. Oh, keep, okay. keep it on going. Right. You got to get the bloodline out. This is the this is my advice for you at home. Um, no. <laughs> so then we go to space. What's the deal with space in this film? How would you describe how they utilize space as a as a narrative structure? Um, I you know I fully don't totally understand why they're in space other than <laughs> he uses a robot who gets fucking blown up when it tries to solve the limit right away right away like, justice right for that robot multiple, two shots of this of this of close-ups of this robot's head cocking to the side and then it exploding but <laughs> wait wait before wait before we continue did you watch friends please say yes i did yes remember the episode where joey has to do a tv show and is like has a robot like like sidekick it looked exactly like that robot that's wait oh my god wow wow thank you thank you thank you okay yeah so they're in space this robot is doing the limit configuration successfully does it and it explodes and explodes um but he has sealed himself in this room on the spaceship because he needs this to happen so we can finally destroy the xenobites but he is he is uh stopped by guards and a leader of the guards okay. who are like, "What the fuck are you doing?" He's like, "I'm the only one who can do it," and they only they literally go to go. space. They literally go to space. So they can do like kill them because like mm-hmm. there's nowhere for them to run in space. That's literally it. Like there's well, nowhere for them to run. <laughs> that's the tagline. There's nowhere to run in space. Um, <laughs> in space. So, yeah. So the whole <laughs> there's nowhere to run. That you can't. It's so cramped. So uh, the whole film is set up. Where the third generation or like the third installment of this toy maker dude is explaining the history to this, I don't know what she is, like a like a marine, like a space marine person who's like arrested him. Yes. And he's explaining everything and she's listening intently with big eyes. Did you catch what her name was? Uh, no, but the Wikipedia summary says Rimmer, which is an unfortunate name. Isn't that funny? I was, okay, maybe you're not as stupid as me, but the whole time I was like, I can't handle that her name is Rimmer. Come on, I guys. think I was laughing at literally everything else. I don't even think I, <laughs> I took in that her name was Rimmer because everything else was just, again, like, what in the hell is happening? My sec, my first note, okay? My, it says, in my notes, when I was taking notes watching this movie, the first thing I wrote, Hellraiser, Bloodline. The second note is there's a character in space named Rimmer. <laughs> so it really affected me. It really got, I, I got, I was got, got by that. It feels like an anthology film. Yes. It totally does feel like an anthology film. Something that I'll say now is that in the original screenplay, it was not a lot of back and forth. These three distinct stories happened in three distinct oh, segments. Oh, interesting. Okay. Which I would say makes more sense oh fuck we totally didn't mention the new cinnabite from 1996 we have to say right now yeah the twins the twin security guards that that i was like wait are they fucking twins for fucking real yes that get okay this and this part actually scared the shit out of me because i have this weird fear like house of leaves like houses that are not actually what they seem Mm -hmm. that are bigger than they look like that 
I have nightmares about that. Like for some reason that kind of cosmic horror incomprehensibility of a size of a space like really messes with my head. So like when they find a door that isn't on the map of this building and they open it and they're walking down this hallway, I was like, this is my worst nightmare. Mm-hmm. But um, essentially <laughs> they find Pinhead and Angelique and Pinhead goes, don't worry, you'll never be without your brother. And instead of killing them, like it makes them this horrendous Cenobite and smushes their heads together. So think like the face coming apart in the thing, but they're yeah. alive and it's like this weird little device basically like and it's pretty gnarly it's a long sequence where there's like drills going into their faces and twisting their flesh together Mm -hmm. and like sewing them together basically and they are not like just killed they become one of his acolytes basically yeah it's fucked i love it it's one it's of the amazing. Best, it's, it's, it's so of, cool. It's one of the most I would, and I don't use this to be hyperbole. It's like one of the most iconic moments in this film. Is one of the images yes. I think I remember most, and most people would take away from this. And I think it deserves to be remembered as like one of the cooler, more creative Cenobite effects in this franchise history. I 100% agree. Even though I haven't seen the rest of them, like I can't. <laughs> I just it's such a well done sequence and it creates such a horrendous image like what like yeah. both in how it's shot while it's happening and when the process is complete that's mm-hmm. what this like these movies do really well is showing the process and then completed product in scare quotes of this hell yeah. which is so horrifying I think because like they don't just allude to what's happening you see like all of the flesh it's beautiful it's, you can it tell, is it's you can it's, tell the beautiful sketches were made and that they yeah. did their very best to bring it to life um it's very beautiful i believe and i'm sorry if i don't have this completely correct that the makeup effects or monster effects for this one were done by gary oh i gotta get this right one second everybody just give me a sec okay Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Gary J. Tunnicliffe, mm-hmm. uh, big big, um, has done a lot for the Hellraiser franchise. Like, I has done the special effects for so many of the films. He actually did get to direct finally the very last film, uh, Hellraiser Judgment, which is kind of cool. And he did the effects for this movie, and then he said that he was worried because the director Kevin Yeager uh, is a very famous Hollywood effects guy. Um, and he was scared that he was going to want to like step all over the place, but apparently they worked mm-hmm. nicely together. So good for you, Gary. We hope that you get a job on some of these new Hellraisers coming out because you deserve it. Um, yeah, really I cool. love, I love that dude. Is there any what? Oh, and uh, yeah, Angelique, the scary, like scalped nun. That was oh. fucking weird. So good because I remember I was reading about this about Tonicliff talking about how he wanted to make her look like a nun. Um, and like a flayed nun specifically, and the Ooh. way that they accomplished that with like the hooks pulling the top the shoulders, of her, like, her, like from her shoulders instead of giving her a habit, like creating this really nasty hook habit with her mm-hmm. like flesh peeling off from her skull. It's it, so cool. It's cool. It's gorgeous, and it's like really fucked up. Mm-hmm. I was on your podcast, uh, Scarred for Life, because I cannot handle like a uh, scalp stuff in movies and that there was something in the faculty relating to that and this also was like i did not like it although it it did look fairly fake like it looked pretty plastery so i was able to survive but (laughs) yuck 
Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, so, yeah, do we have anything that we want to wrap up about space before I get into... Um, oh, and they ultimately her. kill the Cenobite. Well, kill, in scare quotes, defeat, he, yeah. they think, the Cenobites, I guess. Why does he die? Does he die because he explodes, or does he die because of the magic light of infinity? I think it's the magic light of infinity. I think it's, like, <laughs> okay. whatever weird fucking science, magic, I don't, I don't understand, happens, like... Uh, the toy maker, descendant, and Rimmer get get out on like the Rimmer. shuttle, and it the the Elysium configuration, as the internet tells me, like happens and makes it like basically reverses the portal to hell. I think were, that was my interpretation you, of what happened. Were you like, were you gagged when you realized the whole space station was the box, or were you like, I was, I was pretty, I was like, what in the fuck? <laughs> yeah <laughs> also, like honestly i appreciate this again dumb but i love it when franchises just like do the dumbest shit and like just mm-hmm. go like swing for the fences with things like this yeah i, I don't know i think it's fun because what other movie is gonna have a giant anti-portal to hell in space in it like it's so ridiculous and it's incredible never again never again although i guess um what's that movie event horizon Horizon. similar energy event horizon but event horizon had like good horror movie energy this has like campy horror movie energy and that (laughs) is just as important as like good scary movie energy in my opinion i you know i agree i'm usually historically more of a camp queen than you are so i love that we're you are more historically but i do love me a good campy ridiculous Mm -hmm. franchise entry and i think this is one of them (laughs) It's a perfect one for you because of it's it's nasty, but it's 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 gorgeous. It's nasty. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, do you feel ready? Do you feel confident in my abilities to lead you in a second seminar into why this was such a troubled production? I would love. I'm so ready. Please. Okay, you're taking notes. Are you ready? Are you like is I'm the ready. are the lights down? You're taking notes. You have one of those like yes. pens with the light at the end of it. <laughs> I've got a light taped to my to my glasses. Okay, like, good, good. You're we're spelunking. <laughs> we're going spelunking into information. So <laughs> we are. Um, Doug Bradley himself has called this "unquote the shoot from hell." So that's how we're going to start this. Great. This was how the appropriate, second, very appropriate, appropriate for this podcast, appropriate for this franchise, just appropriate. I'm. Um, starting off poorly. This is the second time the Weinstein's are producing a. Hellraiser film. Uh, first, they did uh, Hellraiser three, which also had a pretty rocky production road, but did okay for itself. And then they've done this one, and uh, they are hist- historically known for meddling and bullying their talent and filmmakers. And that this example is no different. We are getting Kevin Yeager brought in as like a third or fourth choice to direct. <laughs> um, right? Like what? I'm Sorry, like what a fucking blow yeah. to hear that you're rude. like the it's rude. It's choice. rude. Like, don't tell yeah. me that. Sorry. Yeah. I believe they wanted to bring on the guy that did number and I forget his name. I apologize. Who did the third movie? Who I believe directed Waxwork, but it didn't work out because he probably saw this mess coming a mile away. <laughs> um, Kevin Yeager uh, did not have a good experience creating this film, and when the Weinstein's, aka Miramax, were like, "Come back, we need you to do reshoots. We hate it." He was like. No, I'm busy. I'm bye. I'm gonna go make do the weird effects for Sleepy Hollow. 
so they were like, well, let's just bring in Old Faithful to do the reshoots, which happened to be Joe Chappelle. You may know the name as the uh, genius who directed Halloween 6, the best <laughs> of the franchise. Just kidding. Don't be mad. Uh, yeah, so Miramax did not like what they saw. And a big reason why they didn't like what they saw in the initial cut was because Pinhead was not featured enough, which is like, you shouldn't, he should only be there in sparingly. And they used him too much, so they already don't know what they're doing. So they wanted Pinhead to be brought in right away in the opening sequence, which they did in space. It's very weird. And they wanted him brought yeah, in early. Yeah. Didn't yeah. he just like show up super quickly, like a weird ass fucking flash at the beginning? <laughs> yeah, he, like, and I'm glitches. like, what the hell does that have to do with it? It's anyway. evil. Evil goes online. Um, it does. Uh, and another thing that they were the Weinstein's were meddling is they, of course, wanted to make Angelique more of a sexy romantic. <gasps> Very problematic. Jesus. I will say that she was excessively sexy and excessively romantic, and I actually think. Everything Angelique works. I don't know if it could have been a thousand times better if they hadn't done disgusting meddling, but that actress fucking made it work. I just liked her mythology. I really liked everything about Angelique. She was the most interesting part about this film I could have used without Pinhead. Like, I, this could have just been the Angelique story. I would have been okay with that. Honestly, same. I thought she was a badass. Like, I loved her character, and I kind of loved that she was in a human form. Like, yeah. I don't, I, it felt like it was just the antithesis of what Hellraiser is, but, like, what a cool breath of fresh air to what Hellraiser is, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, yes. I loved that. And I think that she was super sexy, but I don't think it was egregious. I, I, don't, I guess it's like, come to nope. these movies expecting super sexual creatures, like, with ulterior motives, so I wasn't, like, as thrown off by that, I guess. I bet you that, like, very softcore porn sex scene between the toy maker, like, it's like a dream between the toy maker yeah. and her. I bet you that was. Oh, like, yeah. Production meddling because it just feels like it's out of a porn and, like, the bed is spinning. It was, like, very. Yeah, and she keeps saying, like, whatever you want, whatever you want, or whatever. Yeah. The hell. Like, very much, like, look, the man gets whatever he wants from this woman. So, yeah. yeah. That very much feels very, like, male gazy. Very male gazy. Although I have to say, I respect a switch queen, and I believe that's what we have here with Angelique because she likes to sub, but she likes to dom. So be careful. You can do it she all. Might be. Yeah, it depends on the mood. Uh, writer Peter Atkins said um, that the Weinstein's knew about everything ahead of time on the script, but he they probably panicked when they ended up seeing the first cut. Um, yeah. So hold on a second. So Miramax butchered the film and would eventually release it in theaters on March 8th, 1996, where it only grossed $9 million and did not recoup its budget. They did not screen it for critics, and it did <laughs> receive negative reviews. Um, so earlier in this conversation, we talked about Alan Smithy Productions. Were you familiar mm -hmm. with the whole Alan Smithy mythos before today? No, well, I was not aware of it until I was reading up a little bit about Hellraiser Bloodline, but I mm -hmm. had no idea that that was a thing that existed yes, and that there was a name for it. It's weird. It's a pretty rare thing. And yeah. to what I understand, Hellraiser Bloodline is probably like the most famous example ever of it, which is why a lot okay. of people don't know about it. 
I'm going to, if you're not bored and you don't want to like just absolutely exit, can I give you like a quick little history lesson about Please. Alan Smithy? I would love to hear it. Oh my God. I'm so happy to hear that. So Alan <laughs> Smithy was, no. I, like, I was like, nope, fuck this. I'm done. <laughs> I would just not do it. And I would just be really sad and like <laughs> passive aggressive for the rest of this recording. Probably. Probably. That's probably. My, anyway, yeah. sorry. Um, so Alan Smithy was an official pseudonym used by film directors um, and uh, assistant directors who wished to disown a project. The um, name was coined in 1968 and was discontinued officially in the year 2000. Oh. Um, yes. So this was a pseudonym used by members of the Directors Guild of America. If a director was ultimately unsatisfied with a final product and could prove to a distinguished panel... <laughs> why their name yes yes they had to prove to a panel why they would get why their name they, they deserve to have their name swiped from a project it's like defending it your a, dissertation but so much more fucking embarrassing it's very embarrassing i would love to be a fly on the wall although i'm sure it was boring um <laughs> yes yeah, so you'd have to prove yourself you couldn't just be like i didn't like it you'd have to be like uh the mirror the fucking weinsteins destroyed my movie please take my name off of it i'm so embarrassed um, so the director was also required by Guild rules not to discuss the circumstances leading to the movie or even acknowledge that the product um, was their was their project. So they like oh they were in witness protection. Uh, so wow. some yeah yeah I, I mean I'm obsessed with this. Some well known examples of Alan Smithy Productions include uh, the '80s horror satire Student Bodies. Um, the okay. Twilight Zone movie. Okay, so we probably most people are kind of aware with the drama behind the Twilight Zone movie. John Landis directed one segment and ended up killing mm -hmm. a few people, and so the assistant <laughs> yeah. director on that had his name scrubbed from it out of like horror and disdain. Um, and of course, The Birds Two Lands End also is an Alan Smithy joint. Who knew? And then of course, Hellraiser Bloodline. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Whoa, Call me that's Alan Smithy. Fascinating. I know. Um, what is it? Like wh wh who's Alan Smithy? Who is this who is this person? Why did they name it after him? Why who's mad at Alan? Yeah, how did that name come about? I don't know. I wanna know. Nineteen sixty eight. I didn't do too much heavy oh. research into this. Smithy Pod, okay, coming at you, twenty twenty two. So interesting. But like what is that? That's gotta be wild to be like on that committee. That like hears people talk about why they don't want to have their name attached to a movie. Like that's that's yeah, it's it's wild and I, and clearly it was on on only under extreme circumstances because there's yeah very few examples of it in the history of the world. And I think one of the reasons why they could do it back then is that there was no internet, so they could have this like cute little like pseudonym and no one would know. Oh, it's probably the, way easier to just like yourself from a and project. Then, yeah. And then by like the '90s, when there was an internet and or like you know journalism and shit like that, which did exist in the '60s, uh, they had to scrub it because people were catching on, and and it became a bit of a death, like a death note for a film. If obviously, if if you were an Alan Smithy film, it just proved that it was a garbage film. So I believe that's one of the reasons they had to scrap it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Back to reality. Oops, there goes gravity. Overall yeah. thought. <laughs> uh, thank you. I appreciate Because they're in space. Get it? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, that's true. That I knew, actually, as I was saying. <laughs> I said. 
overall <laughs> thoughts, emotion, feelings. Um, how do we feel? What how was like, what are your overall conclusion? So I had a really good time watching it. I think there are a lot of really weird holes in this that like don't really make a lot of sense, which make I get after like, you know, talking about it and you saying the script was incredibly different. Like it just, but it just feels like there's a lot of stuff missing that shouldn't be missing. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I very much enjoyed the camp of this. It was way grosser than I thought. So um gross. Yeah, I I need to watch more Hellraiser movies. Is all thank you. Um, okay, we need. But to, yeah. overall, I had a good time. Um, <gasps> wow. and yeah, I would say I had a great time watching it. I definitely watched it getting sewn to my bathtub. Um, kind of perfect. It was an it's, incredible it's vibe. Skins of the flesh, right? Exactly. Very sensual, very bubbly. What am I talking about? It's a very about? fun, like Saturday afternoon watch. So it you was... didn't make your partner watch this? Um, how kind of you? I. Yeah. <laughs> is this not is this not one for the partners? That's fine. He, he yeah. I mean he That's is, fair. That's fair. He also like doesn't like to watch movies as much as I do. Like I mm-hmm. feel like I watch a movie a day for the most part and and our, our jobs kind of yeah, necessitate that, but he cannot watch as many movies as I do. So um I celebrate that. Actually, I hardly watch anything. I 90 99% of what I am taking in is podcasts. Don't yep. tell our bosses. Uh, what would you give this? Um, how many configuring? Conf- oh God! How many layman configurations do you give this out of five? Uh, I'm gonna give it two. Wow, she's real. She's real. What about you? It's a, such a hard one. I'm gonna give it like I don't know. Can I eat? It's hard. <laughs> okay, so you know what? <laughs> Why are we jumping into it? I need to give my overall conclusions. No yeah. one asked me, but you know what? I'm gonna do it anyways. <laughs> it's so weird. I had so much baggage because there's so much uh, ill will against this film on the internet. People do not like it, and I think when you send when you send a slasher franchise person into space, people are like, "Okay, we're done. That's it." And so I think it yeah. gets kind of unfairly maligned for the space stuff, even though the space stuff is like not the problem with with this no, film. No, it's definitely not. And also the space reveal at the end is fucking incredible when it's like it's the, it's the giant bed configuration. Like I can't even be mad at that. That's just it's incredible. So weird. And it like doesn't even look as good as Star Wars. I don't know why I had to bring up Star Wars, but I said it. All right. I'm I I I'm gonna give there are three movies in this movie. I'm gonna give them all different ratings. So seventeenth. I like that. Thank, I like this. Thank you. Thank you. Seventeenth century France. Four stars. Like scary, gross. I'm horrified. Yes. Lots um, of maggots. Lots of worms. So, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like lots of like like um big like seventeenth century feasts that like all of a sudden are covered in maggots, which is Just, the mood. It's mood. Um. Okay. And so yeah, nineteen ninety six. One star. That apartment's weird. Um, yes. <laughs> and then um, space two stars. So what is that overall? A bit of a three, a two point five. Who is? Yeah, you say? Ma- yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah. Um. So I kind of want to talk a little bit about what's next for the Hellraiser franchise. If you're interested <gasps> yes. and want to go oh, down this route with me, yes, I would because love it's to. interesting. Uh, there are two productions, presumably, on the horizon for Hellraiser. Yes. One is David Bruckner, the director behind Netflix, The Ritual and The Night House, is just wrapped a Hulu 
film, aka reboot of the Hellraiser franchise, starring icon Jamie Clayton in the role of Pinhead. I'm oh very excited. I'm yeah. So fucking stoked. Very stoked. Um, you may or may not know about Jamie Clayton. Um, she is a groundbreaking performer starring in uh L Word Generation Q, has been in a number of other things too. Um, out trans performer, like pretty cool stuff for a Hellraiser film. Like, not what I was expecting at all. And I think what we need, though, I think, like, again, like, a lot of people have talked about online, like, Pinhead, these, all these creatures, like, kind of transcend gender labels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it'll be it's really perfect. cool to see, to see her as Pinhead and what they do. And I really, like, I loved the Night House and I loved the ritual. Um, and he, Bruckner also did my favorite, v, one of my favorite VHS segments from the first movie, which is um, Amateur Night. With which one the, was that? Um, the succubus vampire lady that oh. fucks up those those kids who are like I like to... you. What did she say? Yeah, I like you. <laughs> I like you. Um, that's a great one. Um, uh, and but I, I like she... him a lot. So, and he, I'm very curious to see. Did you see the night house? Yes, I saw. Yeah. I need to. I need to finish it. I didn't finish it, so like I don't get it. Yeah, in there's a lot anything. going on in it that I think speaks to what he is going to do with Hellraiser. I think it's not as fully realized as it could be. I think there are some parts of it that I was like, I wanted more, but Mm -hmm. I think it is an exciting kind of tease for what is to come with his. With, uh, yeah. He says that he made the night house because he wasn't actually able to make Hellraiser. Like Hellraiser was still sort of in development. Oh, that's right. So for someone that's finished the film, why, why do you feel like, he said that. Like, why do you feel like it feels like a, a placeholder for Hellraiser? Um, you can spoil it. Spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead, but there's a lot of really interesting stuff with, like, interdimensional, weird, cosmic horror, mind-bendy mm-hmm. stuff that goes on mm-hmm. towards the end of the movie. And there's also this really interesting, like, figurine that looks like a woman being tortured with nails. Oh, cool. So there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on with, like, perception of time and space and people and i think that it definitely shows him thinking about hellraiser and what hellraiser is in a really cool way so i'm super fucking excited to see what he does with it um because huh. i have to watch i have to rewatch the night house because i haven't everything leaves my brain in like two seconds because i feel like i watch so many movies but like it's Me really too. impressive what he is able to create with that and again i think because now he has the ability to make hellraiser he'll go even deeper and kind of in realizing what the world of the world he wants to create um mm-hmm. this feels like a proof of concept for hellraiser basically it's kind of how i felt yeah yeah that's super cool and for the first mm-hmm. time since hellraiser bloodline clive barker is back in the producer's chair so that's interesting that's too. so exciting it's very very exciting so yeah we're, we're extremely pumped for 2022's hellraiser the Hulu film. Um, there's another Hellraiser f- production supposedly in yeah. the works. <laughs> and we'll just touch on it, which is David Gordon Green's HBO series. Is it even <laughs> going to happen? This was announced so long ago. I forgot. He was- <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 oh I didn't. I forgot. This was in my, like, uh, in my my negative Halloween 2018 phase, um, which I'm over now <laughs> because there's a new Halloween movie. Um, <laughs> so I, I didn't forget. 
But now he's also going into a trilogy based on The Exorcist. So he's (sighs) busy. Good for him, I guess. I mean, you know me. I have nothing. I have no stakes to hold for The Exorcist. So do what you want, baby. Um, I I, I love the first Exorcist. I don't. I don't even think. I don't. Whatever. Whatever. Okay. Well, first of all, how dare you erase the exorcist the beginning the 2004 uh like vehicle <laughs> oh i'm more than like that movie i saw it in theaters and it um is so funny and i love it and oh my god uh, and my, one of my favorite things about you is the fact that you have like you not only have seen like these terrible like <laughs> like french like late franchise movies but like you go yeah. to bat for them which is like my <laughs> fucking favorite thing of all time you're like no this movie's amazing i'm like you are the one person who will ever say that but i 100% respect that so much because but you know that I know you. it's bad right like you oh, know exactly. that I'm not insane oh, I, oh yeah um, I know that you like it because it's campy and terrible love and it. that's also why I love it because you're like Thank no you. let me tell you why that this no, 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 is yeah. actually worth watching for a joke or like for yeah. this reason and I appreciate that a lot well, thank you. And there's all these fucking pretentious assholes buying Ghoulies 4 on DVD and then hating Halloween Kills. Someone said that on Twitter and I agree with them. Like, just wait, get into it. it. Wait, that's it. So I didn't like Halloween Kills, but I love that sentiment, though. Like, that's Yeah, I forget who said that. If you're listening and you wrote that, like, don't sue me, okay? That's an but, yeah. incredible sentiment. Yeah, but that's but you're so right. Like, it's, but like, you're you so love, right. Yeah. Like, fuck you. Like, get into it. It get wasn't boring. It. And that's what matters. Yeah, fucking get into I'm, it. Maybe it was boring. I don't know. Or also, I think oh, Halloween Kills wasn't boring. I don't think it was boring. Yes. boring. Is not a word I'd use to describe that movie. But we're not. Talk, it, we're not here to talk uh, about that movie. Oh, now we are. Gave it a three point five official grade on Dread Central. I probably should have given it a three. Probably should have given it a three. Three you know, in retrospect like, feels feels. We, we embrace a three and a half. Three and a half. Okay. All right. All right. And um, twenty eighteen. <laughs> I'm not gonna talk about. It. I'm not gonna talk about it. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't actually think David Gordon Green's HBO series for uh, Hellraiser is going to happen. That's my hot take. Scalding. That's my hope. I'm going to be real with you. I really just, I don't want it. I don't want it either. I just don't have any faith that David Gordon Green will know what to do with Hellraiser. Halloween makes sense for him, not Hellraiser. Does it? Um, in my, in my, in my I mind. Doesn't seem like someone that cared that much about these franchises before he like had a hit run with one of them. Oh, one hundred percent. And I hate that John Kravinsky. Um, I don't know how to say his name. I just get mad at him because he's pretentious about horror. It's fine. Is he really Kravinsky? Like from the office? Yeah, yeah. He said something about. Here, I remember once. I think I just like completely ignored him after the office because I thought like I love the office, and then but Jim's a huge dickhead, and then he just seems like a Chris Pratt Mm -hmm. bro character that all of a sudden is in all this like American military shit, and is like I know the USA, and you're like, who are you? I hate this. You don't have an opinion anymore. No, I know. I I, it's it's, they're exactly the same person for that exact reason. Yeah, he said something pretentious and disgusting once about how like a quiet place isn't horror. It's like that's right. That's right. And I was like, you're an idiot. <laughs> How? First of all, I mean, I haven't seen A Quiet Place and I never will, but I'm sure it's horror. So it is. It's a fucking monster movie. Yeah. So it's 100% I'm 100% mo- whatever. Thomas. You know what? I like ending things on a negative note because honestly, that's who I am. <laughs> you have to take me for what I am. Like, rent. <laughs> the line from rent. Similar. <laughs> it's such a bad musical. I hate rent. Um, yeah. 
I mean, yeah. listen, that wraps that wraps it up for me. Do do we have any final thoughts that we want to like squeeze in about Hell, Hellraiser Bloodline? Because um, it, there's so much going on here, so like it's wow, it's chaos. Wow. I think you it's worth seeing, guys. Like if we're yeah. gonna talk about like franchises and like loving franchises, Hellraiser mm-hmm. Bloodline, it's bananas, but it's fun as hell. And I want to read the script, the original script, because I have a lot of questions. You got to get it. It recently has been published. You can get it on Amazon, honey. Peter Atkins, support the queens. Just buy it? Yeah. All right, cool. Oh, yeah. Maybe I will do that. I'm holding it in my paw right now. Um, Mary Beth, if Josh. you want to be found, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at MB McAndrews. You can also find my podcasts on Twitter. There is at Scarred Podcast for Scarred for Life. We put out full episodes on Mondays and mini episodes on Fridays. And then you can follow uh, Watched Once Never Again at Wona Podcast at W-O-N-A Podcast. And we put out new episodes every Thursday. Oh, I I love to hear that. Follow Dread Central, y'all, at Dread Central across all the social platforms, just plugging my place of work because Mm. Josh and I and some amazing people have been doing some amazing work. And I have to say, we're killing it on the socials on Dread Central. If you're not following the Dread Central socials right now, what are you doing? Because it's been, there's so much more drag than there has ever been. And I think that's drag. A lot of me being horny on Maine. Like, it's great. Very horny. Like, I, just, I tweeted about uh, Ethan Hawke as horror daddy on his birthday yesterday, I think. Is it never uh, been anything truer? He is ultimate horror daddy. Like He and Patrick, I would watch him and Patrick Wilson battle to the death for horror daddy. Hold horror on a second, daddy-dom. hold on a second. Who's the top? Who's the top? I Ethan Hawke gives me top energy, I think. I think With it's Patrick Ethan Wilson, Hawk. it's Ethan Hawke? Yes. I think so. No. Patrick Wilson yeah. gives me bottom energy. Listen, you're running faster than you can chew. That doesn't mean anything. But <laughs> you're running faster than you can chew. Because the number one rule about who's the top, which you clearly have forgotten, is that you have to go with the opposite. You have to go with the one that you, the unassumer. And oh, so in which case, really? I would okay, say I'm that sorry, would be Patrick Wilson. Yeah. Clearly. Okay. Okay. Homophobic. Yeah, uh, no, I'll take that out. Um. <laughs> um yeah, I, I gotta do more Who's the Top content. It's something I I have been letting go, and it's like, I'm not proud about that. But I think, um, I wait, think, I think Dread Central might be ready for it now. <laughs> I think we were, we were I mean, sure, but now we're, we we're, 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 we've, we've really, we've got them warmed up. <laughs> okay, wait, one more Who's the Top before we go. Michael Myers and Pinhead. Because they won't, they almost oh. forced each other. They almost, and I use that term on purpose, worse. Okay, so it has to be who's unassuming. So I feel like it would be... Oh shit, hold on. That's only one factor to be considering, okay? Let's not overcomplicate like or undercomplicate. In my head, there's two. Okay. Can I just like talk you through my process here? Yes. My thinking? Please. Like, you think Pinhead would be the obvious choice because, like, he's mm-hmm. the very sexual one, but then Michael Myers is like huge. Mm-hmm. But, but then again, Listen, but, if he's, but you know, size, size, size does not, not dictate. A, no. I think that pinhead despite being what you would might think is the most obvious choice would be the top i think yes well you know what i, I don't know I don't, i'm having a hard think, time yes with this one. i think pinhead's like the better communicator so i think he gets what he wants more often i don't think we were totally okay i think michael is verse and i think, I think pinhead yeah. is down to climb <laughs> That's i think so i think i think pinhead will do whatever he feels like doing 
and yeah. Michael is just like our, our, is a verse for sure. If Michael's just, I, yeah, Michael's verse. Like yeah, I like to Michael's picture first. Michael's a bottom now because it makes me laugh. I mean, it's that, and it's beautiful, you know, and, and like power bottom. He's quiet. I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes the quiet ones do give me top energy too. So yeah, if you know, all right, you've had some kind of experience with one of these guys. Write us in at um, I don't have an email address. Sorry. Just, like, send us the thoughts in your mind. Just, like, think about us. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back with another episode of Development Hell. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.